Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me as always is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. Welcome back. Thank you. Had a good... Yeah, I missed you. I know it's just only a week, but it seems that uh, no one ever... It's like part of our my, my weekly routine to like sit down and have the fireside chat with you, so... so. <laughs> Yeah, except like fires are just all over Juno right now, so you can yeah. be anywhere in the state and you're sitting next to a fire, it feels like. Yeah, okay. Fair enough, fair let's, enough. Let us smoke, let us smoke. No, I mean, I, I I needed a break and I'm glad I had it and I I really did try to just drop off the side of the earth as much as I could. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes you need to do that. It's just good to drop off the grid and just, you know, recharge the batteries and stuff because, yeah, we just need that. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Peter Parker could not do that in the new movie that dropped over the 4th of July weekend, Far From Home. No, he could not. And, you know, it was just that daggone Peter, Peter Tingle. Everybody hear that long pause. That means that Will was not prepared me for to instantly segue into <laughs> that topic. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. See, this is what happens when we go on break. You just like just jump right on in, and I was like, oh, I thought we were going to talk uh, Stranger Things, but you pulled a Roxy on me here. <laughs> I, I saw an opening, and I took it because I don't know how to jump into Stranger Things 3. Like, a lot of people die. Lots of people a die. A lot. Yeah. And not like nicely <laughs> no no it, yeah the mind player and it, yeah, a lot of gore yeah they they have the gore factor for sure this this season yeah well i guess we can start there then since we're already talking about it um i did the binge in one day wow how many days did it take you <laughs> let's see i think uh, i started it on july 4th night and and then i um what well, yeah i did about two episodes a day so um, so yeah, I finished Sunday. It's really funny the the conditioning I've experienced with Netflix because I'm a, I'm on episode six and I'm thinking to myself I'm like how 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 much more is there? Because you get to that point in a TV binge where you're just like okay <laughs> all right what's going on here? Let's speed it along now. And and I'm thinking to myself as if there's like twelve or thirteen episodes. And and then I look and I'm like, oh, there's only eight. Yeah, I was happy when I saw that eight. I, could, I was like, I can do this. But it was so funny uh, whenever I, I checked in with you over the well over the holiday, and then I was like, so you know, have you, have you started? And you told me you hadn't, and I was just like, oh shit, I've like actually done something before Belmont. This is too, this is this is like history here in our show. <laughs> I I literally just stopped watching everything except for Euphoria on HBO, which it's it's the most bizarre show and I'm strangely addicted to it um because it really just embeds itself into your mind after you watch it and you're like it's not disturbing but it's also not like Disney. <laughs> it's very, it's very um, bizarre that whole yeah. thing. But back to Stranger Things, it's just, um, it was an easy binge. Um, I did notice that they last season or season two, they did nine episodes, and this season they did eight. Probably because everybody was really mad about yeah. one of the extra episodes because it made no sense and it was totally unnecessary. 
Overall, this is a good season. Yeah. I think I actually do like it more than season two. I don't know if I like it more than season one. And I was thinking about it um, right before we got on the air about how I feel like we keep watching the same thing, though. Yeah. Because it's always about trying to close it upside down, um, trying to keep things from getting out and everything. And even with that tease at the end, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, how is that a good tease? Because it's just another monster that clearly escaped upside down. And now they have to put it back. And who knows what that'll be. Like, I really liked the last episode all the way up until that moment. I did too. Yeah, yeah. I was, I I did not like the the ending um, with Demogorg because it, it, to me, it would have the way they ended it with with Jim's alleged death, but the letter. I mean, it. I mean, I was like, you know, it, I had shades of Avengers Endgame. I mean, it was where I, I, I did. I, I, I really, I, I didn't realize how much of an emotional connection I had developed with these characters until that moment. Yes. Yes, I and agree. Then and then, whenever L was reading that letter. And Hopper's voice over it—it it, it got me. I—I I, I freely admit I was sitting there like, okay, I'm not crying, you're crying, but it got me. And so I really wish they had just ended it there, because th- that was the, to me the perfect ending. They could have, you know, with the with the buyers leaving Hawkins, everything. I thought that would have been a, a, a nice bow tie to the to the series. So okay, time out. I just realized something. A few weeks ago, I finally got caught up on Handmaid's Season 3, A Handmaid's Tale. I don't know why I called it A Handmaid's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this is another square peg in terror. <laughs> it's oh, okay. God. <laughs> um, yeah, I was finally getting caught up on a ham- The Handmaid's Tale Season 3. And I reached episode, I think, five. And there's a moment right at the end of the episode between two characters who um, the Elizabeth Moss's real husband, who now is in Canada and they've been separated ever since Gilead. And she is explaining to him the birth of her new daughter and what happened via letter. Will that's the important part to that's the detail. I almost cried like literally tears almost. And it wasn't a sad moment. It was actually, it was weird. It was like this most beautiful bittersweet thing I've ever, I've ever watched Mm -hmm. because there's uh, so many emotions into that. Same thing here. I don't know what it was about that letter. Like it was interesting because it totally did go from this is really Hopper being an, uh, or Hooper being an idiot, being the the mm-hmm. overbearing father, and and then they he he really explains to you why we do love this show so much. Yeah. Because it isn't about the stranger beasts or creatures or anything. It's just like this reminder of childhood and yeah. what it is like to grow up. And 
And that moment with um, Will where he gets in an argument with his friends uh-huh. and it's kind of like, what, did you think we, we would do this forever? Because right. we have all experienced that ourselves. Like, this yeah. is my life. This is who I am. This is mm-hmm. when I know, oh, wait, everybody else is moving on. I'm not ready to move yeah. on. And it just and it just fit perfectly because it's also like. The adults in the show are just as resistance to move resistant to move on as the children are. They it's are. really interesting. Yeah, yeah, which was very interesting. With we we finally do see some movement moving on with uh, with Mrs. Byers, uh, and it was, but it was still very. Gradual, and, and, it, and it was really her pairing with Jim and Alexi, and then later Murray that caused that growth. Mm-hmm. That long, you know, when they were trying to work their way back from uh, back to back to Indiana, and uh, so that those those are those universal themes, and I guess that's one of the reasons why this show just works so well. Not only from the the, the nostalgia, but I think you really hit he really hit it on the head, which is. We've all been through this, and we can identify with those kids so well because at some point or another, we were those kids maybe belting out never any th- story like that. Or nobody or, was that kid. Nobody <laughs> was that kid. Well, maybe not. Well, maybe there might have been somebody on this podcast that was, but anywho, uh, that was. But the you know the point where like like you said with Will basically like you know beaten down the shelter and where they had all their games and stuff. I mean, that was a very sad moment, but you know, we all remember those moments when our friends like started hanging out with other people or, or, you know, Oh, you got a girlfriend or you got a boyfriend. I mean, I never see you anymore. What's up? I mean, those are all those universal things that we all, we all get. And, uh, and that's again, one of the geniuses of the show. And I think why it has, uh, lasted so long and, and why people, you know, just really fall for it. I mean, I was just looking at a tweet before from Netflix right before we got on and they said that so far 40 million people have uh, tuned in and 18 million have already like finished it. So I think mm-hmm. it's like they're, they're probably their highest rated show to date. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so people still, still love this show and, you know, you see some of the obvious blowback sometimes with people just trying to be contrary about the plot product placement and da, da 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 but you know i mean that just adds to the authenticity of of the period it, you know it is a period show too yeah it, it absolutely is i my one criticism of it was the first few episodes mm-hmm. like especially the first two and a half I felt like any time a new character or any time they needed to go from one scene to another scene, I have an idea. Let's play a song from the 80s. I have an idea. And it just kept going. And I was like, what the heck? Is this Suicide Squad? Because I heard they did that in Suicide Squad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like there's, I was, I was just, I was. By the point where they ended up playing Madonna, I'm like, really? Another one? <laughs> when will this end? I just, there was something about it where the Stranger Things score 
is all you really need to transport yourself back there that I just wish that there had been somebody who's like, maybe less is more, you know, we don't, we don't really need to use every single famous 80s song there's ever been because there's a lot of them, Um, but we don't need to cram it down people's throats. Um, A lot of what they were doing made sense and really brought back the nostalgia of like going to a mall the first time, hanging out with friends and and just that. But but that's like my only minor criticism, because the the fact that we we saw so many different narrative threads and I love how they, the, everybody was like kept on their own thread. It wasn't about crisscrossing or overlapping. It was about, no, no. Um, Dustin is clearly going to be hanging out with Steve all through season three. Done. Yep. Done. Like, like we got to figure out a way to separate him, which easy. I love that they brought in, um, oh, I can't remember his name, but his little sister, Ooh, Erica. Uh- Erica, Erica Erica from America. (laughs) (laughs) I love that joke. She, she and Dustin were like, I didn't know that I wanted that pairing and then I got it. Will. Yeah. And I don't think, I think Sophie bear has, has, does not hold a candle to Erica from America. <laughs> yeah, that was a great pairing. I, I I was I was with you there. It, it, at first, I was like, she's so annoying, and we're gonna have a lot of her this this season. And then it just grew on me and grew on me. And yeah, she, I, I, yeah, it was a perfect pairing, especially sort of a younger foil to Steve and um, and yeah, Dustin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I just, she, she just was like the moment where he did the, um, <laughs> My Little Pony theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, she's a nerd. She's a nerd. It's just, it's just nice because the, these writers clearly know that they want more characters. It's not just solely about these four boys who always did Dungeon and Dragons in their basements or anything. It's it's a bigger world. It's a bigger town than that. And and I like it. And there's something very because in the 80s, especially in the later 80s, there seemed to be these TV shows that had a lot of were always based on families, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And yeah, sometimes they would have their best friends over and they would be part of the the cast and everything, but they would never be related and it was created all of this nostalgia. So I think they're really doing that in like remember when you watched all of those family comedy drama shows and I'm like, Yeah, I do. Yep. Even though I'm from the nineties, I do remember. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I mean you couldn't escape it. I mean afternoon T V, family you know, family matters, full house, mm-hmm. growing pains. Mm-hmm. All those threat all those things are just obviously the, the Duffer brothers are, you know, products of that time period and and it, it shows in, in the way this the series is constructed. Yeah, I, Steve Harrington, Harrington continues to be my favorite character on this show. Yeah, me, me, yeah, I, I really like Steve as well. Steve and Robin, that was, I could, every time they were on the screen, that, that, they, they just, I, yeah, I could just, 
enjoy a, a spinoff show of, of just their their adventures? I so I don't know at what point, but I do know an episode or two before the reveal about Robin. I I was I thought to myself, I wonder if she's gay. I don't know why, because they actually did a really good job of misleading you. Yeah, until the reveal. But but there was something at one point that made me think that um, and it doesn't mean that it, it takes away anything from that moment because hats off to Maya Hawk. But the, when she hears him explain his feelings to her and she has that moment of like, um, well, well, when when she hears that, she just. Like, it's just hell, the camera's held on her and she goes through all of these different emotions. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty hard to do for somebody who's so new to the screen, even though her mom's Uma Thurman. Like, Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she's got the, yeah, her genetic makeup. (laughs) I mean, she could end in that household. Yeah. She's going to have the chops, but that was a very poignant, poignant moment, uh, where Steve did, and, and, Steve being obviously the dingus douchebag, whatever you want to call him, but he's the, you know, he's, you know, he has that redemption arc where he has gone from what we saw in season one, where he was just doing all the things as far as how he badly treated Nancy and, 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 and John Byers and all that. To, to, to this point now and and especially you could sort of see the path that Steve was going on where he would end up like Hopper like mm-hmm. the chief if 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 things hadn't broken the way that they had right and so I, and yeah so I mean he's become the lovable doofus <laughs> and that's why Robin takes up for him and why I think he is my favorite character even though whenever we first were introduced to him he yeah I mean he was very unlikable yeah, it's it's just interesting to me that ever since season two, because season two, I really felt like he went, he got that redemption he needed. Mm-hmm. And in this season, it just, rem- there was something, he's the character who I feel like a lot of us older people relate to because it's, he's not an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's older than the little kids. He's also not related to any of the little kids. Right. And so the fact that they pointed that out, how creepy it is. Yeah. <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. Because yeah. If you really think about it, it's pretty creepy. It is. <laughs> but, but there's something about it where I feel like he, he found a purpose in season two mm-hmm. that even though he he probably couldn't have gotten into college there it's like it's like the thing that keeps him grounded and still in that town or he he's needed like yeah. somebody Dustin needs him and and I think he, initially he was threatened by Robin and now and then that came full for full circle yeah um but but yeah uh Another thing I liked about it, I really like Max. Max's season had a wonderful little arc. I think that she should get a little bit more screen time. And it's interesting. If you notice, at no point have I said um, that Eleven was my favorite part of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Because 
they have overused that character so much. Yeah. To the point where, like, when Max's stepbrother dies right before our eyes, who do they keep flashing the camera to? Not Max. Millie Bobby Brown. Yep. Yeah. Just, just like, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it, well, I, 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 they had, I mean, I'm glad narratively they took her powers away mm-hmm. because it was getting, her character was getting repetitive. The one thing I did like about how they treated her this season was pairing her off with Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did allow for some growth and new things. You know, obviously it, we had our typical teenage angsty romance issues that come up. And so of course they had, you know, she and she might break up, but at the same time, it gave her a, a new opportunity to really you know, spent time with Max, flesh out the character in a different way, and 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 really, they did a better job with the female characters this season, I thought, than they have in the past. Yeah, I, I definitely liked her more this season than last season, and for exactly what you just brought up, like that female dynamic, especially in contrast to the boys, mm-hmm. who were going through similar growing pains, um, but they they were like mirroring one another. And, and I thought that was really cool. Something that was odd about it is that how little interaction did, um, Mike and, and, uh, Will have with their older siblings. And meanwhile, Max and her brother kind of went at it bits by bits. I don't know. There's just something weird about that to me that the siblings aren't getting a lot of screen time together anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think to your earlier point, how everyone had their, their threads and they basically kept them sort of on that path. Like, for, you know, John, you know, John and Nancy had their, her story line with, the sexist pigs at the, at the newspaper and, uh, and, and, and her becoming more empowered because they, they, through the season, uh, dealing with, with those issues. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, so it's really interesting from looking at it now from a 2019 perspective on a show that's based in 1985. And so, you know, you see some of those sensibilities written in showing how, moronic and how misogyny was so pervasive then as it is now and and, and basically the show did use this as a, a good opportunity to sort of put the mirror on society in that in in, in that's that arc with nancy yeah uh, yeah i i like how every it felt like everybody as much as they were split up into their little groups they all were going Going to meet cross paths eventually because we all knew what everybody else was learning and we all were putting the, together pieces. But it was interesting how everybody went about it in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Like Hooper went at it very police, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. very like bull in a china the shop. Oh, and then yeah. Nancy with, with her investigation skills and her persistence and her need to prove herself really um, pushed her to like making sure that this was real because she needed validation. And then the kids, the kids even at one point were separated where Max and 11 were learning 
some information and Mike and his crew were just crying on the couch like yep. a couple of boys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> crying about girls, of yep. course. What else would a boy do? <laughs> so so it was it's just was very cool because we're used to talking about shows that have a lot of A, B and C plots and yet the B and C's never really have that pivotal moment of connection to the A plot. Right. Or it's just another thread, you know, we'll finish that thread off later. But I felt like there was a lot of momentum and, and it didn't bore me because everybody had such a different perspective on what they were, what they were trying to find, what they wanted to find, what they were doing. And then the next thing I know, Four characters get trapped in an elevator, and I'm like, "Wait, what's happening? Yeah. How is this gonna relate?" Okay, <laughs> didn't see that one coming. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, that's that, they that uh, really was, I think, again, the strong thing about this this season. I felt that was kind of lacking in season two, and, and why why I and really, whereas I felt. When I watched season two of this show, it was really a chore sometimes to, to get through a few episodes. This, this season just went by like fast. I mean, I know I broke, I didn't do it like in a one day setting, but even when watching it over, breaking up over a span of a few days, it, I mean, it was a very efficient way of, of, of storytelling and it just went by really fast and, um, you know, and then of course, you know, since the Duffers are brothers are from here in Durham, I, obviously whenever I hear some things like Jordan Lake, I mean that's you know that's a little Easter egg for us you know here locally. I'm like, oh yeah, I know that place. Like you know those those little things too are like little nice little nuggets too when I when I watch the show that I like that I like hearing as, as well. Oh, you're such a geography nerd. Well, you know it's, it's geography nerd, but that you know I guess the Homer. <laughs> <laughs> Being a homer here now. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to talk about before we move on? Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of theories out there about what happened to the chief, and and well, we could spend time doing that. But you know, that's it, I I said earlier how I I wish the season had the show had ended. But I mean, I know um, Harbor um, David Harbor has kind of like put the chance that he might be back. I mean, some of the interviews where he's saying, I know the arc and they're talking about going to seasons four and five. So we'll see. I mean, I think the, I think the clubhouse leader now, as far as theories is, is that's Dr. Brenner. Uh, that's the, the American that, uh, is referenced there at the end, but obviously there could be some way that the chief is brought back to. Yeah. I think that, like initially I was like, Oh, he did. He did. And then uh, when you were like, Oh, where is he? I was, I was thinking in my head, you're like, yeah, you can, I mean, we're dealing with stranger things, science fiction. There's always a possibility. I, I hope honestly, if you're going to bring him back, don't bring him back in season four. Don't do it. It's too soon. Don't do it. Also, more interesting, I'm wondering if there will be a time leap. I feel like there needs to be. I'm getting 
but I'm also afraid that they're not going to do it or they're going to wait until season five maybe to do it. But it's just what happens with the moving and the closure that everybody gets. I feel like to really sell everybody being back in that time and place, it's not about Mike and Elle going on, like still being in a relationship. It should be more about like returning home after you leave it and people changing in that way after different experiences. But we'll we'll see. I mean, yeah. season three snuck up on me for sure with Stranger Things. I knew it was coming. And then I was like, whoa, a quick turnaround. Maybe, maybe it'll be here before we know it and we'll get some more answers. Yeah, we'll get some answers. I, I agree with you. Though, if, they, if they do bring them back, completely agree it should be season five. I mean, the... Yeah, I mean, because it would just completely undermine the emotional moment and, uh, that they, that they did so well with the end of this, this season. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, that's it for Stranger Things season three. Now let's talk Spider-Man. 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 Yeah. One, one teenage drama to another one. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Literally. <laughs> And uh, I, <laughs> sorry, like part of me really thinks the best three to five minutes of this movie is really the the whole in memoriam video they play at the very beginning. Yeah, that yeah, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I'm in I'm in a theater. Hardly anybody else is in there. It's just me and my mom and a few other people, and and that comes on. My mom has no idea what's going on. And I'm sitting there just laughing my head off because yeah. I'm like, oh, there, this, that's right. Marvel does not play with telling you that this is a kid story, a kid with technology and just like the stupid things we do as teenagers. Oh man. I, I love that. I love that so much. It was really weird, though. One thing that I didn't notice and I didn't really understand why is if this video was created by someone who wasn't a part of the Avengers, mm-hmm. why did they reference Cap? That's a good question. I I don't know. Yeah, it's just it, yeah. that that was soon I as really... flipped, because I love that it was Tony. That made yeah. complete sense to me. Right. Like everybody knows what happened to Tony Stark. Right. Only a select few of us know what happened to Captain Rogers. Or maybe, or <laughs> well, or maybe it did become public at that. But what 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 are you gonna say? Well, I mean, part of what happened to Captain Mar Captain Rogers is he went back yeah. and never came back. So he technically never left, and and so I don't like well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I hadn't really thought about until, until you asked the question about that about that that snippet, and I, I I'm at a loss at a loss for answers. Of course, once we're done here, I'll like you know we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but uh, stay tuned next week. Yeah, exactly. to realize how far the rabbit down the rabbit hole Will went in searching yeah. to figure out an answer <laughs> to my question. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, we'll yeah, but did like that. Vid. It was a great moment. It was sort of like it was true, true of MCU opening. I mean, as far as just like sort of set, set sort of setting the tone, like we we talked about with uh, with Endgame. Yeah, 
Right. I it. What are they going to do with the next movie? Because I also thought that one of the best moments of Homecoming was the the Peter's <laughs> live stream of what happened at the airport during Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which opens the movie, filmed yeah. by Peter Parker. And then you have this opening, and I'm just like, what are they going to do next? Like, come on. Th- yeah. There's got to be something. I want to see the oh. theories on Reddit right now because there's a trend here. Mm-hmm. And so I can only imagine what they think of because these are some classic moments of just like – let's let's set the tone in the best way possible yeah yeah oh so it's got to either be flashes like flash thompson's either his videos of like what happened in london mm-hmm. or uh or net or something something involving ned yeah yeah <laughs> ned had a good 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 part like yeah. he had a good some good moments he got a love story he had a love story occur Fell in love on an airplane, comes yep. comes back to America, single again, um, yeah. but but wiser and all for the better. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it's you know thinking about our uh, what we were just talking about earlier with our Stranger Things conversation and the summer, the summer love, I guess, uh, where you know you always hear like on bad trips or whatever, you know, couple, folks get together to hook up and then they break up. But yeah, that was a great arc for him. He wasn't just a guy in a chair, but it was also funny how it, I, mean, I like the way they set it up because it, 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 all the, you know, Ned was like all playing cool. It's like, no, we're, you know, we're going to be single guys in Europe and all that kind of stuff. And, and then of course, you know, they had the epic fail of trying to get the, the, the seats changed in the airplane before the party in New York. And, but, and, uh, yeah, and then of course, we get to, they get to, get to Venice and they're a couple. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a good foil for Peter because he got to live the, go through the vacation as a kid mm-hmm. on zero, zero expectations. He, he thought he knew what was going to happen and then life changes and he just goes with the flow and everything that Peter wants to be able to do that he can't, I feel like that's what we see through Ned and what he's going through. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and but really, the person who had the most fun, I truly believe, was Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. <laughs> Even though they underutilized him, he clearly, as soon as the twist happens, which we all know what the twist was, because it got broadcasted and immediately people thought about it as soon as the trailers first started dropping. And, and that's, that's the one thing about this movie or not the one thing I actually have probably a lot of criticism about this movie because I don't think it's perfect. I think that there's a lot of missed opportunities, but when, when you go into this movie and you already know the elementals are fake, you don't know how you just know they are. The first half of this movie is boring. No, well, see, I, I, I'll, I'm going to take a little exception with that because I actually enjoyed. At first, my hot take was I thought I liked, I still thought I liked Homecoming better, but the more I like thought about it and really looked at what the true purpose of, I mean, we all, like you said, we all knew what was going to happen with Mysterio that he was uh, just playing a part, but I, I, again, this. It to me was 
it was a story about Peter dealing with Tony's death. The stage has been set for this from Endgame, also Spider-Verse, the whole concept of the multiverse. Because, you know, this version of Peter Parker does not have the well-worn, overused Ben Parker death, Uncle, Uncle Ben's death. Tony basically becomes Ben Parker for for Peter as far as teaching the lesson with great power goes great responsibility. And so all that setup, even though it may seem boring and we knew what was coming, it was necessary to get that back in to, to teach Peter that lesson. And instead of it being the same old story of Uncle Ben getting shot while Peter failed to stop the you know the the robber this time it's the fact that Tony Stark died and you know he he gave, he gave Peter Edith to you know to basically teach that same lesson and so to me that's why I, I like this film better than than Homecoming hmm. I just I felt like Homecoming had a lot of the Tony Stark subbing in for Uncle Ben and why it was so cool to watch Far From Home is because everybody who's going to go see Far From Home has probably like 99% seen the Avengers Endgame and there's so much momentum that, oh, give me something, I'll take anything, I'll just consume anything Mm -hmm. um, that that you're just like blown away by all of the tie-ins, all of the references. There was a cap reference that even happy made. Yeah. It was beautiful. Not the throw, the reference, not the throw, (laughs) not the throw. throw. (laughs) Think about where, what caps shield is made of. Like seriously happy. Seriously. This is why aunt may does not want to date you. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I just, I felt like it took too long of a two hour or more than two hour movie to, to get to that point where like, this is really the story. And, and something, one note I put on this rundown is, is this a copy and paste repeat of homecoming? Because I was thinking about it. I was like, wait a second. So we're technically comparing and contrasting the same twist with a little bit of different nuance around the context of the twist. Because in the homecoming, Michael Keaton's character, you knew he was the villain the whole time. Mm -hmm. You also understood, like you were figuring out why he was doing what he was doing, what was motivating him. The twist was not that he was a supervision, the villain, but that he was the dad of the girl that Peter's trying to go out with. Right. Like that is a very fascinating twist that i've never seen before mm-hmm. figuring out and that a hero is posing as as a trying to create this persona when in reality he is anything but a hero like he's a hero and i feel like we've seen a lot of that yeah. and i just don't feel like they they wasted too much time selling me that he is a good good guy, even though everything I know about that character is like, no, he's bad. This is yeah. all fake. Yeah. Like, like you, you didn't have to do that. You had to do that for Peter. 
And so to me, I felt like, did you? Because Peter's pretty gullible. Yeah, yeah. Pretty <laughs> gullible. <laughs> Only pretty gullible. <laughs> Literally. Inadvertently starts almost almost destroys another kid's life on a bus okay like literally almost kills a person he he gets himself he 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 finds himself in a very um compromising position with a female he he he's not the ironically he's not the smartest man in the room okay yeah yeah he's not he's not but i mean and i and i guess that's why i was just saying that i think this was structurally, I agree with you that it, it structurally with, like, as you said, with a few points here and there, it's very similar to Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. The structure of it, even the whole Peter, um, Iron Man bo- male bonding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I can but again, to, but I, I guess again, for me, Going back to my point of just, I, I like the fresh take of showing, teaching Peter the lesson of with great power go, comes great responsibility. And they didn't have to, and, and thank God they didn't say it, but I mean, but it's basically, it's basically there. And that's, that's, that's basically the undercurrent throughout the movie. Oh, well, isn't that the undercurrent throughout any Spider-Man movie though? Well, it is, but I mean, but my point is, it's a different take on it by by not by basically structuring it around different characters instead of doing it in the, the same familiar pattern that we've seen for however many live action films now. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so the other thing that bothered me was the the sequence that would never end. I'm talking about the first illusion, like legitimate l- illusion sequence oh, yes. with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and he, I'm sorry, this may be my my own personal preference, but the coolest part of those sequences was when it wasn't CGI. Oh yeah, oh yeah, practical effects always went out. Like every time, the coolest, t- the most. <laughs> I actually thought of you whenever that sequence is going on. I was like, I can hear Sarah now complaining about the CGI. <laughs> it would not end. It was, it kept going and going. And I'm like, oh my God. Because there's such a stark contrast between that mm. and like what was just on previously on the screen that I'm thinking to myself, Peter, if you see what I see, don't you notice the difference here? Yeah. <laughs> there's a sheen. <laughs> But but the best parts and the coolest uses of his powers was really when he was posing as other people. Mm-hmm. Like he, as soon as you get that that um, Nick Fury reveal, ironically, and 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 a few others, and then at the end when when it's he's dying, no, he's there, no, he's not. Like those were really cool because that manipulation of not being able to trust even the people who you think you can trust and which is obviously heading to a very secretive war. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Mic drop moment. <laughs> um, it just, it was so fascinating to me and, and please don't get me wrong. I really do like what Jake Gyllenhaal did mm-hmm. because the bar scene killed me. I love yeah. them hanging out. 
Yeah. And and there were moments where I was like, oh, man, I would want to be in that bar, too. I would probably give him Edith, too. But at the same time, I just I felt like it took too long to get there. I really do. Um, one thing I, I think that they are really doing a good job with this whole MJ and Peter thing. Yeah. I mean, no, they do not have the same chemistry as Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield. But that was legitimate chemistry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do think that there may be something going on with those two actors in, in Far From Home. But at the same time, they, they're going the much more awkward part. And, and I love how the battle ends. I like how he's able to save the day. And then he, his girlfriend comes over and they finally kiss. And it's like, no, Peter, you can have your cake and you can eat it too. You can. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> that's for the next movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, 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 I was glad that they, um, did the reveal. And I, and I loved how, how it, it first played out in Prague where, uh, she just, just drops it on him. It's like, look, I know you're Spider-Man. And, yeah. And, and, so, uh, 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 and, 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 and of course, you know, the circumstances, of course, forces him to, you know, finally admit it. But it, I, I, it, you know, some folks may thought, think that it was just too soon or whatever, but, uh, but the way they couldn't carry that, her, that, her, um, knowing and, you know, and all these little coy references and stuff, you know, after a while it would, it would just get contrived. So I think it was, just, it was good that they dropped it the way they did. I think it's great. I mean, we, to go back to your point about, I like how there's undercurrents in this movie reminiscent of the story we've, the mythos we love and adore, but a new take. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you can still have the same dilemma with the secret identity if even when MJ knows. I mean, everybody thought it was a big deal after homecoming. Aunt May knows. Minor details in this movie. Minor impact. Minor. Now, MJ is going to have a big impact in the next movie, but still minor impact. So it's it's just. There's so much other quote unquote secrets going on in this world that they're building that we don't need to fixate on that one just because at one point in time, that's what really drew the viewers to watch this love story is because she doesn't realize that he's a hero and she just wants a boyfriend. They they can still have those arguments even when she knows they can still have those arguments. Oh, yeah, yeah. And especially now with the with the twist at the end and and how things have unfolded with him being being pu- publicly outed by Mysterio's team, then yeah, I mean they can definitely have those moments. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting and I like it. I like that they left it there again. See, and this is probably why I didn't like the Stranger Things teaser is because this I had previously watched Far From Home and I'm like they just did an amazing teaser like it felt like they started the credits 
and you were like bracing yourself for a teaser in the next film. But what you really got was an extension. Like you really got the epilogue with that moment. And that's what all of those mid credit scenes need to start being because you know, for a while there, the mid credit scenes were a bit lazy. I'm sorry. They just were, it was just like a little nod. And it's like, Nobody needs that. That's like B-roll footage. No, yeah. we want legitimate extension of the movie we just watched. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, at the very, very end, which I did not stay for because I'd never stay for them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. You're not that person. Come on. There was a moment I'm like, my mom's like getting up and I'm like, no, there's another one. And then I look at her and I look back at the screen. And I'm like, let's get out of here. It's too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a very busy day. Like we, uh, we ran, we, we were doing a lot. I had already a lot of balls in there. So it, it was, it was well, good. Yeah. Well, you always, you know, you, you always find them on YouTube. So you're like, I, I'll catch you later. I did. And I, and I figured it out. So yeah. we, we learned in the very, very end that the whole time, um, Mr. Fury and Maria, right? Yep, Maria Hill. Yep. Maria Hill were being played by some other characters we know from another recent Marvel movie, Captain Marvel. Yep. Um, Thalos and what is his wife's name? Oh, I can't remember her name now. But okay. yeah, the, yeah, but the Scree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, the so yep. the no, yep. no. Oh. They're not. The, they're the scrolls. The scrolls, yeah, scrolls, right. <laughs> I was like, I said, I, 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 I combined, I combined the two. I called them the Scree, meaning the scrolls. <laughs> uh, so we'll apparently, again. the next Avengers movie will call, be called the Revenge of the Scree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, they are clearly Nick Fury is using the scrolls. <laughs> As I can't get the screen out of my mind now, it's never gonna go away. As as doubles, so we don't know at what point did he swap out? Did we ever see Fury in this movie, or was it always a decoy? Did these did these doubles come from Sony? They came from Sony, and and he's he was there were decoys the whole way because Fury's like the most paranoid man ever. How meta is that, though? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're going to give you Nick Fury in a movie. Oh, wait, no, we're not. He's really a scroll the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) That's what made it work. So made it, yeah, that that reveal at the end, like, oh, shit, they they did that. Yeah. He would have figured out Mysterio in, like, an instant. Mm Mm-hmm. And. Maybe. Well. Well, well, a lot sooner than than what happened. He wouldn't yeah. have, yeah. I mean, yeah, we the movie would have been done in like the first thirty minutes because, you know, Nick Fury would have figured it out because I mean, his secrets have secrets. So. Yeah, I mean, I maybe it's because I watched Captain Marvel in the airport on my way to my break, but I just keep remembering, and I need to remind you, Will, remember. Thalos, Thalos said that it takes it takes skill and and talent, dare he say, to to really impersonate someone. Yeah. So he was putting a lot of energy into something else. But but they also zoom out and and they show that there are there's more scrolls, mm-hmm. 
and looking like some Independence Day action is about to take place, dare I say, who knows when. Um, It's still, though, because of everything that Captain Marvel, and this is my whole point, I'm still standing by this. I know that Captain Marvel is not the most loved movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I'm still sticking to my comparison that it reminded me a lot of what Winter Soldier did. Because we don't, we still don't know if the scrolls are good or if they're bad. I mean, some of them still may be good, and then some of them may be like, screw this, I want to be on Earth, and I'm going to wipe out all of these people. Yeah, yeah. Fair point, we don't fair know. point. We don't, we don't know. know. We don't know. It's a very fair point. And some of us think that they're not scrolls, that they're scree. So <laughs> clearly... The movie sent some very confusing messages. I <laughs> uh, walked into that one. <laughs> oh, man. Anything else we missed? Uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think we, we've, we've really covered pretty much most of the major points I mean, of, of the film. Um, but again, it's, uh, I mean, it just, again, reinforces the fact that Tony Stark is the godfather of the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so does that make Peter Parker, his, his great grandson or his grandson from crap town? <laughs> uh, I we still shall can't see. get over that. I still can't get over that. I'm still <laughs> confused. I'm still waiting for my, my, I'll, I'll get y'all see a diagram of like the, 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 the lineage of, uh, Sego. I need the tree. I need the full tree, all leaves and family tree. I will, I will, I will send you a chart. Just saying, this is what the people need. Um, last but not least, just minor note: Mulan trailer dropped earlier today. I like this trailer. Yeah, yeah. And you know, dare I say it, but stupid Disney, I see what you're doing here. You're doing the same shots in your movies, and it's not cool. However, this movie did it better, but I hope people know what I'm referencing. But there's a clear shot in this trailer that mirrors a shot in episode nine. Oh, yes, you're right. It is so – as soon as I watched it, I was like, what? Why would you copy – like, like, granted – Mulan did it better because there's some um, realism in the way they shot that. And I almost feel like JJ made a mistake with how slow he did it in his version because they really slowed down the entire thing. And with her, she's spinning over, but the action is still up, um, playing out beneath yep. her. Yep. So it didn't feel like completely slowed down. It just was like with her and her movements. And hats off to that actress. She barely has any lines. She can fight. Totally like, fight, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. The choreography. Where, where where, has that been? Where has that been? Oh, I mean, it was epic trailer. I, this was one of those situations where I'm like, okay, I actually will go see, see this live action Disney film because uh, it. I understand it's it's definitely – it's. Be clear, everyone. It's not a musical, and there's no dragon. There's no Eddie Murphy. There's no there's a, there's, there's no Mushu. So if you're expect yeah, you know, so if you're expecting just a 
live action version of the 1998 Mulan. No, I think this this story is really sort of sticking closer to the to the actual Chinese legend, and and it it was just like you said, it was this phenomenally shot trailer uh, showing some of the best, probably some of the best scenes as far as from the film, or you know, or hell, you know. We, we, we've seen some of these things too where things don't, they may be in a trailer but not end up in the final cut. But it, it definitely, it, it colored me intrigued. I, I, I think I'll definitely go check this out. Okay, so I was excited and then you told me that it's not a musical. So you're telling me I'm yeah. not going to hear the, the classic song. <laughs> um, I, I forget what it's called now, but it's been in my head like, Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. Remember that song? I, from whatever, everything I've read so far, it, it has a score, but it's not a musical. It's everybody, not. everybody know, all I had to do was sing the first lyric, and he knew exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about, but he can't remember the title either. <laughs> I can't, but I, but I do, yeah, but yeah, everything is, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not going to be a musical. It's, it's, it's live action, but we're not, we're not going to have, at least, at least that's what I've, that's what I've read so far. I hope they just slam poetry it up. I hope they just start just like casually one of the characters is like, let's get down to business. And then you hear somebody shout behind them to defeat the Huns. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, well, no, the, these actors, they're really good at acting, but they're not the best singers, so we're just going to slam poetry, poetry it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just the, the the lyrics, like those two lyrics, I just, I need somebody to say it at one point in the movie. Like two people, and it's like an echo, and and you just start, and you let the other person finish. I'm just saying, if I was a scriptwriter, <laughs> I would sure, order it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you'll get something like that. They, 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 yeah, just just for you, they'll 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 recut it just for you. <laughs> All right, and on that note, Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W I L L M P O L K, and I'll be hanging out with the screen. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>